All right, everybody, welcome into another edition of the Sports Plus Podcast. Another full house in here like we had last week. Let's hope uh, the conversation is just as good. Mm-hmm. Frank, you got some big shoes to fill. Mike was Mike was rearing to go last week. Really? He was. He was wow. getting into it. It took some prodding, but we got him. Well, uh, <laughs> when the big fellow's right, there's none better. We got Frank. Once, once the red light goes on, he's ready to roll. <laughs> we got Frank in here with Ahmad and Andy Muller. Uh, let's get right into baseball because it's pretty awful outside today. We're recording this on Wednesday. I, I'm ready for some sunshine and some baseball weather. The Cardinals are playing games this month. That is a great thing to say. I'm I'm excited for baseball season. Frank's heading down to spring training here at the end of this week uh, for the station. Uh, so it's right around the corner, but what's not so much fun to say is that the Cardinals' biggest news of the offseason was subtracting Jose Martinez for a prospect and signing a lefty from Korea. You got well, a problem with KK? <laughs> I like KK. Well, but it's a little disheartening when you see yesterday yeah, the Dodgers right. are getting oh, better, man. adding Mookie Betts and David Price. Uh, you go ahead, Ahmad. What For me, when I saw that news come up, I just slapped my forehead. I was like, oh, here we go. Like, Another long season for the Cardinals. There's no hope. But then I'm like, all right, well, they can always compete. But how did that make you feel when you saw that trade? I, I, I feel the same way I felt this whole offseason. They haven't got any better. Is it a lock <laughs> for the Dodgers to go to the National League Championship Series and win? No, I don't think it's a lock. But I mean, I they mean they're easily the best. Kershaw on the postseason, so that's a good sign. For I mean, the but no, you know? no one's going to be stealing signs on yeah. the AL well, side. I mean, they're clearly the best team. I don't think the Braves are that far below the Dodgers. I especially think if Ozuna, they could be a lot. Yeah, yeah with Ozuna. Hey, especially if Ozuna shows up and uh, does what we know yeah, he could do. He could replace Josh Donaldson's numbers for sure. So, uh oh. But it is kind of sad when you think about it. When when the Dodgers, who already were loaded, loaded. added the guy with the highest wins above replacement, not named Mike Trout since 2014, and the Cardinals had a guy well, named just, KK. Just looking at the deal. <laughs> Just looking at the deal, it seems like something, if the Cardinals were willing to absorb that money, they could have done this same deal. The Dodgers gave up their best outfield prospect, which the Cardinals could have done, didn't want to do, and a veteran pitcher to another team. Uh, The Cardinals could have made this deal, but I think it was all about the money, and Bill DeWitt was pretty darn uh, certain that they weren't adding any money this year. Well, yeah, he he pretty much stated that, that uh, the that they're right at the the, the edge of, of where they want to spend as it is now. And so in order to take on another bat, well, then you've got to figure out how to subtract an equal amount of payroll. That doesn't sound like a Mookie Betts trade. Yeah, there's three numbers that Bill DeWitt likes to give. $170 million, as in the payroll, uh, 12th in terms of revenue, and then 7th, was their ranking in that payroll. So those three. And look, I'll say this. He's the best owner we've ever had, and you can't second guess, and you can't like look at his numbers and say, wow, he hasn't been very good. But right now, Cardinal fans are frustrated. Time is ticking. It's been since 2011. Uh, listen, the, the good thing is the rest of the Central seems to be, st- except for the Reds, seems to be stuck as well and hasn't really done anything. The Cubs are going backwards. The Pirates are a mess. The Brewers haven't really done anything. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the big glimmer of hope for Cardinal fans right now. At least that's how I'm trying to look Can at it. Can the Reds, who've been bad for so long, make that leap over the big three? There's 16 games they have to make up if you're just looking at last year. So that's a big chunk, uh, but they're definitely better. And they had, I mean, they had good pitching. That's what helped them last year. But in that tiny ballpark, can you expect them to have good pitching consistently again for another year? And then the way they pick it up. I mean, b- believe me, the two bats they brought in are really good, but boy, they're not exactly gold glovers. 
Definitely not. Okay, so we kind of beat the dead horse on the Cardinals outfield on how that might shape up. And, we'll I mean, we're going to be beating that dead horse all spring training until they we actually see yes. what's going to happen. Um, but today let's talk about the rotation because I think that's kind of flying under the radar a bit. Uh, what's everybody's biggest question? Because the top five I don't think are necessarily set yet because KK says he wants to start. And Carlos says he wants to start. And Alex Reyes is a wild card like he's been for the last six years. Uh, what's everybody's biggest question going in when you talk about the Cardinals rotation? Go ahead, Andy. You start. I I just, I mean, I think there are a lot of questions. You've got, you know, I don't want to say an embarrassment of riches necessarily, but you've only got five spots and you got a lot of guys are going to have to prove that they belong in that rotation by the uh, by the end of the spring. But if Carlos is right and he's having apparently the best offseason in terms of dedication and hard work he's ever had. It's good. And if you got 180 to 200 innings out of that arm, that would be unbelievable. And then you have the the two kids and Flaherty may be the best right arm in all of baseball. And Miles Michaelis is going to have a comeback year, and I, I believe Wainwright will be okay. That's a good-looking five. And Carlos is the key. If he's right, that's a great five. I mean, I take away whoever misses out is just going to go into that bullpen that's already pretty good. So I, I think that could be another uh, strong point for the Cardinals. What do you think about over there, Mod? Ah, uh, same thing Frank alluded to and Andy. I mean, I th- also what I think it comes down to is who can stay healthy. I mean, we can say who's going to be in the starting five, you know, the rotation when opening day is, but who's going to be in that starting, well, that rotation come the middle of July or, you know, late August? Who's going to be healthy? And I think, you know, keeping those guys fresh in the bullpen, whoever doesn't get the nod to start, you know, it's going to be very important as well. Frank, you talked about Flaherty. What's fair to expect from him this year because I mean I think we're going to put too much pressure on this kid to to follow up what he did in the second half well I think it's a good question is I remember when um, Dwight Gooden went 24 and 4 as like a 21 year old and Bob Gibson said he's not going to get better everybody said wait a minute he's 21 everybody gets better and he didn't get better Jack Flaherty can't get better than last year's second half but the drop is not going to be significant. Jack Flaherty dropping a little bit, you know, with a full season of consistency is still 17 wins with a sub-3 ERA and 200 strikeouts. I mean, I think we saw, what, a little bit last year. We expected a lot out of Jack Flaherty after what he did uh, down the stretch uh, two years ago, and he kind of got hit with that. I wouldn't say rust, but just the realization of, hey, I'm in the major leagues and I'm going to be pitching a full season. So I think his expectations are even higher for this season. And you saw – he wasn't really happy with well, the Cy listen, Young voting and all He's that. got the right mindset. Yeah. He's got that bulldog mentality. I'm not worried about him at all. He's probably, probably the maybe Frank or Andy can allude to this, but maybe the closest to Chris Carpenter as far as mentality on the mound? Since, I, Chris. since then. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, Wainwright's in that ballpark, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Wayno, yeah. yeah but so, All three of them. That's why, it's, that's why Cardinal baseball is, has such great tradition that Carpenter mentored Wainwright. Wainwright mentors Flaherty. I mean, that's three— Six four, six five right handers that you love. Well, yeah. so right now, Flaherty, Michaelis, Hudson, Wainwright, Martinez. Yeah. And you think that's what it is? Maybe oh, Alex yeah. Reyes. Well, maybe. I mean maybe. that would be shocking. It would be great to see it. And I I love that kid. I hope he gets a break. But if if Martinez is right, he's not only in your rotation, he may end up being your one or two starter. But then imagine this, Reyes, if healthy, coming out the bullpen. That could be a weapon. With, with oh, Jordan yeah. Hicks back oh there Oh, my as well. gosh. Oh, my. Miller just, Hicks. You just brought up a name. I'm really curious to see how he does. At what point is he 
you know, is he throwing? Yeah. And, and if he is, at what point is he going to be able to be plugged back and in? And they say that's a jolt. And you say they throw harder coming back from Tommy Johnson. Uh, he's already hitting 101, 102. <laughs> that's scary. Wait, are you talking about Hicks? <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. Hicks yeah. said he, he had. He joked around 106. Yeah, the yeah. kids on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not going to be back, and they're not going to rush him until July. So you better help hope that Ryan Helsley can be the closer, especially if Carlos is in the starting rotation. Last Cardinals thing here, because it's the last time we'll talk before spring training actually starts. What's just everybody excited for the most about Cardinals spring training? Mine is seeing Dylan Carlson get more of, hopefully, an actual shot. That's what I'm most excited for, because I think he's the real deal. When Mosellock compares him to Pujols and Oscar Taveras as the three best prospects he's ever come across, that gets me excited. So I hope he gets a fair shake to win a spot. I just want to see him have have the kind of spring that would make them have to not only question whether to put him on the roster, but where we dare him dare them not to put him on the roster. Yeah. Well, he's the most fascinating guy to watch, but I think the key to spring training is Matt Carpenter. And if Matt Carpenter is right, and I'm saying 25 home runs, 80 RBIs, if he gets to that, well, that solves a whole lot of problems in your lineup because right now you don't have either a three or a four hitter depending on where you hit Goldschmidt. And if he gets the strikeout numbers down. Yeah. I want to see who takes the bull by the horns in the outfield. I mean, there's a lot of questions surrounding our outfield. You alluded to Dylan Carlson, but I want to see what Tyler O'Neill does and what Harrison Bader does and Dexter Fowler. Like, these are guys who are expected to, you know, contribute day in and day out. And last year they struggled. They were inconsistent. So I want to see what a year off, well, a summer off did, well, offseason did yeah. for them. You see if they come back motivated and ready to go. All right. You're talking about the 29 homers and 89 RBIs, of, I believe it was, of Ozuna. Yeah, somebody's well, got to make up for that. that. You know, you talk about the Reds having to make up 16 games. Cardinals are going to somehow have to figure out how to add those numbers into what they have now. So as Frank's jetting out of town on Sunday, we will be preparing for the kickoff of the XFL and the Battle Hawks. Now oh, that, yeah. Now that that whole Super Bowl thing's over, we can focus, Party on, in the sports we can focus on what really matters. We got uh, some football back. <laughs> the Battle Hawks kickoff Sunday in Dallas. I Just real quick, we kind of talked about that. We talked about the rule changes on here a little while back. Uh, and there's really, there's really not that much to talk about until the games are actually played and we see what the product looks like. But it's just winding down. Ahmad, you've been out there a yeah. couple days. What, I, what's, I, what are you excited to watch? Uh, what's the most interesting thing you're looking to see? How many points they can score and what these guys can really do when the lights shine bright. I mean, we've all seen them play in college football and some play in the NFL. But what are you going to do now that the spotlight's on you? You're on ESPN. You're on national television. All this hype about how successful the XFL is going to be. I want to see how the offense does because this game is tailored for offensive players and a lot of scoring. So I want to see that. And we didn't get a... We didn't really get to see that at practice. They kick us out out of individual practice, so <laughs> you don't know what type of plays they're going to run. All you see is quarterback hands off and hand, yeah. handing the ball off and fade routes. So I don't know what to expect because we haven't seen anything. But if there's one thing that we want to see, that's a lot of points being scored. I'm just excited for the fans. That's what I'm excited because St. Louis wants football. And, I mean, you can tell just by their followers on social media just how vocal the fans have been. I've said this from the start. The XFL will be more successful here than it is anywhere by a long shot because these yeah, fans want it. Well, it's it's like a two-part thing for our fans. It's one, everybody likes to see football, and it's two is we want to prove to everybody that we are a really good football town. You know, Andy's familiar with the line, and Frank DeFord, the great Hall of Fame writer, said it. There's no such thing as a bad NFL town. There's only bad NFL owners. 
And of course, we won the lottery in hell with our owners. Over <laughs> <laughs> two. Yeah, over two. Uh, all right, let's move on a little bit. Uh, the Chiefs did win the Super Bowl on Sunday in the NFL. But I think it was Saturday that everybody in here probably liked a little mo- uh, a little better when we heard Isaac Bruce was going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, just what was everybody's, especially Andy, you and Frank, you guys have been here, covered Bruce. Uh, what was your reaction when you finally saw him go in? It's about time. Um, you know, getting to watch him on Sundays routinely for year after year, just graceful and elegant and dynamic and destructive all at the same time. And just the greatest, you know, the greatest human being that that St. Louis football, I think, and that and tied for first. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, that the that there that there has been couldn't have happened to a better guy. He had two things kind of working against him. That in a position filled with divas, he was not didn't have a big personality, and he played in a Midwest, you know, the twenty first market. But everything else worked for him. He got to play for Mike Martz. He got to catch balls from Kurt Warner. He got to have Troy Holtry on the other side, which limited the double coverage. Yeah, I, I can't think of a better story in 2020 than uh, well, Isaac. And the best thing is that he hasn't forgotten about St. Louis. Uh, I mean, he loves this place. He, he'll say it anytime he gets the chance. He said it in his very first tweet after he got the news, which the Rams account took 17 hours or so to uh, acknowledge well, because sure he said St. Louis. Find it. Um, and I'm, I'm sure he's got something special planned for his speech. Let's just hope. The NFL doesn't edit it out like they did with Orlando Pace's induction speech. Yeah, that was that was probably one of my favorite wide receivers to grow up watching. That team, I first started watching football in 1999, 2000, and uh, watching him was a thing of art and thing of beauty. I mean, the way he ran his routes, the way he caught the ball and could get under big hits and stuff like that, it was just magical watching him every Sunday. So he's going to be the fourth guy on that Super Bowl team to go in. Yeah. We think Torrey's going to get there eventually. London Fletcher, I think, has got a good chance somewhere down the road. Sure. He's got limited Pro Bowls. He's got only Fletcher. four Pro Bowls on his resume, but he's got 2,000 tackles. I don't know if you could ever say he was the best middle linebacker in the game, but he was always in the top five. And the longevity thing, it'll take a while, but he's got a shot. Well, we think they're going to get five at Torrey at, at the least. What does that say about—we were kind of having this discussion in the sports office. What does that say about this greatest show on turf's team just in in the place of, of all the teams that have ever played in the NFL. Well, Frank, we were all trying to count them down and only the Packers had they, six. Right. And and so yeah, you know what what did they say about Earl Campbell? You know, he may not be in a class by himself, but it doesn't take long to call the roll. I think that pretty much says it about this team. I mean, there there's no question about it that this was the dynamic offense certainly of a generation. Yeah, we were spoiled with that offense compared to the next 10 years. It'll be cool to see all those guys in their gold jackets someday for sure. All right, last thing this week. Uh, let's talk some about some college hoops teams uh, that we cover that are going pretty well. Corey, uh, you don't even have I your Mizzou don't, Tigers I don't think here. we can talk about Mizzou here. I don't think they quite <laughs> qualify. Um, let's go Illinois first. They've got a huge stretch going for them right now. They lost uh, ranked Iowa, close game. It's only going to get tougher. Maryland, Michigan State, Rutgers, Penn State. That's a gauntlet in the Big Ten, which is just, I think I saw projected, was it 10 or 12? They're going to get like a crazy amount of teams in the tournament. They're ranked 20th right now, but it's going to be tough. They're at the top of the Big Ten, but I don't know how long they're going to stay there. 
Look, if you can win some games in this stretch, it lets you know that you're ready for March. It's not about winning every single game, but it's just showing you where you are at this point. And you're not going to win every game versus these top 25 teams, let's just be honest. But if they can get through this gauntlet with two or three wins, it lets them know what they need to clean up before March, and I think they'll be competitive as anybody yeah, in the tournament. I really think they're a Sweet 16 team. They have a big three with Kofi, Io, and Trent Frazier. Uh, the coach is a Bob Huggins uh, apostle, and they just play their guts out. They got a six-man in Griffin. There's just no flaw in that team. They have already have three big wins on the road in the Big Ten. I really like Illinois. You think this is the best Illinois team since that final? Yeah. 2005? Yeah, could be. Should be fun. I, I think they were projected as a six or seven seed. Mike uh, DeCourcy, who's really good, had him at a four this Oh, really? Weekend. Yeah. Well, that, I know the Missouri guy wouldn't give Illinois the benefit of I the just, doubt. I looked it up before. Who in Illinois? I looked up bracketology on ESPN right before we came in here, and it was a seven. So I, w- I was giving them benefit of the doubt. Well, I think it's going to – how they play in the Big Ten tournament is going to yeah. have a big bearing on where they wind up as a seed. And how about him, Underwood, on the sidelines? I don't know who he's said funnel. it, but it's like he gets it. It's like he's in a barroom fight. <laughs> you know, he's always red. He's disheveled. He's yelling. He's just something else. What was the What was the term I heard somebody described as? Once he looks like a clenched fist. Yeah, <laughs> That's pretty good. And you know what? Uh, we had him on the radio about a week ago, and he talked about um, his relationship with the players, and he sounded like a father talking about his sons. I mean, you know, that's a rare thing that Frank Martin. And Huggins do, they get on him. You think these players must hate him, but they love him. They love playing for this guy. As you said last week, their main objective moving forward, don't get fat. Stay lean. Ignore the people like us in the media. Don't listen to the noise. Just lock in. So let's get on the slew here. Uh, We're recording this on Wednesday. They play in Duquesne tonight. Uh, they won three in the ro- three in a row in the eight ten at the time of us recording this. 17-5 overall, six and three in the conference. I mean, I think they're really only Bad loss is to Davidson. They've been in there with some really good competition. A-10 projected three teams right now. Is it fair to say SLU has to win out to get an at-large? I don't know if I'd say that. I think there are going to be three teams. Let's say they finish in the top three, and they're tied for third right now, and then they got to the championship game, and you're sitting there with 23, 24 wins. Yeah, you know, look, it's not going to be easy because their strength of schedule is not great, but they got a shot. Of, of getting in without winning the tournament. They pretty much have to win that Dayton game on the road then, oh, they have right? To. They have, well, they have to. to win tonight, too. Duquesne. Yeah. Duquesne. I mean, you get a win versus a top 10 ranked team on the road. Yeah. That, that, That's that why does a lot. That loss was just so painful. It was. I mean, and you were there. You oh. recorded it. Oh. <laughs> what was it? What did it's you like say in your tweet? It was at this moment I died or something. Yeah. Like yeah. It, was, it felt like a funeral. It was, it was really bad watching in the sports office with Hannah, Andy, Corey, yeah. and myself. It was, it was oh, brutal. that jo- that, well, that Goodwin yeah. shot. Everybody yeah. in the sports office jumped up, and then uh. I mean, can but, you imagine that the three pointer that beat him? If that just rims out, how that just changes the whole the trajectory of the season. That shot going in could keep them out of the NCAA. Tournament. I mean, Frank, but if you if it goes further than that, free throws and all of their uh, losses well, besides the Davidson like loss, given now. Man, it's like. <laughs> If they could just make six more hey, free throws. that's something like, Mizzou does God. well. That's why the, the, the end of a game, though. At the end of a game, Javante Perkins should have the ball, and nobody else should touch it. 
And because you know, everybody else can make a free throw. And when he scored 33 this past weekend, I asked him, I said, hey, in a moment like that, I said, you have the green light. I was like, are you thinking about getting your team involved or are you just you're firing away? He's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm shooting the ball. He's like, I love getting my teammates involved. He's like, but when I'm hot, I'm yeah. rolling. <laughs> Southwestern Illinois College transfer coming yeah. up big. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Sports Plus Podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe, and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts.